Wasn't? I mean, that is if you were a Bulldog fan, it was a tough night if you were a Buckeye. But it was, that's the first time I can remember trying to go, watch the ball, watch the game. Well, we're going to put 2022 to bed and we're going to look at 2023 this morning. Sometime yesterday, maybe today, many of us are going to look back at the previous year and we're going to consider the year ahead and where you are economically, what's going on in your family, where you are relationally with your family and with the people that you love, and where you are, like here in Bainbridge, as opposed to being maybe in the Ukraine in the middle of a war, will greatly impact how you will view the past year and the year ahead. And this morning, our text, which we're going to begin John chapter 14 this morning, our 58th week in this, and we're still not two-thirds of the way through. It's just unbelievable. I've been enjoying it. I hope you have as well. But in chapter 14, we're going to see two of the less prominent disciples speaking up. And Jesus' response to them, I think, can help us as we're reflecting back and looking forward and that is what we are going to try to accomplish this morning. So pray with me. We'll dive in and we'll get on with it. Father, I am uh, grateful for the years that you have afforded everyone who's here. And yet, Lord, it, with that, they're behind us now. And you were always looking forward. You were looking to your Father for guidance, and you were looking forward. And I pray, Lord, that the, the word that will be shared this morning will be your word and help us focus to a more joyful and optimistic 2023, for I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, this is the second part of Jesus' um, upper room discourse with his disciples. He's preparing them because he knows it's about to be over. He understands that, and he is doubling down, if you will, on pressing into his disciples what they need to understand when he's off the scene. So instead of it being Peter, James, and John, who we are quite familiar with by this point, we got first up will be Thomas. Chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that uh, would I have told you I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the argument can be made that the verses just read were both comforting and disturbing, depending on what you think of Jesus, what you make of this man. Was he who he claimed to be or not? It is unlikely that there's a single believer in this room that hasn't asked God a question similar to Thomas's. Now, 
We may not have been as blunt about it, but let's face it. Have you really, in your heart of hearts, always been confident that you know exactly what God is doing, where he's going, what's happening, everything that he's got going on? Well, if you have that, praise God, because I don't. Not even close. Jesus' response to Thomas in verse 6, in my opinion, is possibly the most important verse in all of Scripture. That's a pretty bold claim. But in it, Jesus removes all possible wiggle room regarding who he is, why he came, and the absolute exclusivity of Christianity. He is the only way. I get the whole coexist bumper sticker thing, not a thing. Because he makes the claim. It is him or no father. And it's even more obvious in the original. The Greek here is so much better, in my opinion, of conveying this than the English because there are no definite articles. The way it reads in the original is, I am. Once again, Jesus declaring himself the exact same way that God has referred to himself in all of Scripture. It just says, I am. That's what Jesus said, I am. No the, it's I am, way, truth, and the life. No father except through me. That's the original. It's pretty blunt. There's no wiggle room. It's, it's him or nothing. You do not get God without him now that he's on the scene. Now, if we spend a month of Sundays exploring that one verse, we're not going to get to the bottom of it. It's just one of those things that is just a mystery. That It's somewhat similar to me to the Trinity in the sense that it's one thing. I am, way, truth, life. One thing. And yet there are three distinct things there. A mystery. And yet... That's what Jesus said. So we may not be able to mine the depths of that, but you know what we can do? We can look at context. The context here is Thomas is upset. See, that's the way I read the way he said, no, we don't know. Have you ever felt that way? I sure have. There are things that in your life that may have happened in 2022 or a long time ago that are still impacting you. You don't know why God allowed certain things. Own it. It's okay. God can handle it. Jesus handled it. He was okay with the fact that Thomas said, we don't know. He lovingly and gently, as God always does, responded to him. Think of it like this. You know, today's family worship kind of day where we have all these little kids that I've been praying for so many of these kids since before when they were in the womb and it's really nice to see them but you know let's face it even as adults none of us like to hear things that we don't want to hear right there are things that people say that can upset us and particularly a child and Thomas is like we don't know you got to help us out here when scripture disturbs you when you read something in Scripture and it really, really bothers you, it's okay. God's okay with your not understanding or pushing back. 
Because Jesus did, Jesus is Jesus. He's God here. And he, could he have just put Thomas in his place? Of course he could. Did he? No. Like many of us, you get fed up listening to why, why? And, and we snap. Jesus never snapped. He just lovingly, calmly reminded Thomas, others, and us, I am the way, truth, and life. No father except through me. Next up, Philip, verse 7. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replies, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. You know, Jesus isn't through with verse 6, which is just, like we said, it's just an amazing verse. He continues his response to Thomas here, actually. He said, if you know me you know my father. You know the father, God the father. Enter Philip. Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. You know, even when I read that the first time, I go, no, you wouldn't. He just wouldn't. Why? He's been with Jesus for years, years. Not a couple of Sundays checking in. He's been with him every day for years and still didn't fully realize who Jesus was. Once again, we should all be grateful for Philip, especially those of us who struggle with spiritual self-esteem. I didn't make that up, by the way. Spiritual self-esteem is simply this. Most of us, me included, can lose sight of our dual natures. Particularly if you're a literalist. Anyone who struggles to make our dual nature fit neatly into the here and now, our fleshly existence. There's this hilarious Newhart bit that captures how I think God would like us to handle that particular struggle. Have we got it queued up? I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes! S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. It's business, but I just had to, I had to throw that in. Because, listen, we all have struggles. And understanding our spiritual nature is part of the faith walk journey. I didn't throw it up on the screen, but over the years, we have this, we have this slide that depicts our faith walk from the moment that we are, uh, are saved to a, a, a maturity and how that progression works its way out. And part of that is understanding your dual nature. 
If you don't remember anything else from this morning, I would pray that you would remember this. Your spiritual nature, which is the one you got the very second you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for what he did on your behalf. That spiritual nature will not fit into your worldly existence neatly, tidy, and barely at all, frankly, because it's a struggle to keep that reconciled. It's, it, there's a he, now and not yet kind of thing that theologians talk about where you in your moment of salvation are saved and you're in, in your spiritual realm. You're with Christ is in you. Christ is in me. Have you struggled with that at all? I sure have. This is exactly what Paul laid out for us in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. We're not going to explore it, but I would share with you that it's in the app. You can click the link and read it. I would encourage you to read it thinking in terms of your dual nature, the fact that before you were saved, you were spiritually dead. You had no path to God until that moment. And it's by grace that you are saved through faith. These are the things that are, can be difficult for us, particularly if you're new to the faith. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you don't know who I am? Stop it. Hear me. Stop trying to make me, Jesus that is, fit into the here and now nice and neatly. It's difficult. It's a bit of a stretch. But there's, it's not a leap of mindless faith. It's, there's, it's documented in, throughout Scripture on how that can work itself out. Our text this morning concludes with a beautiful matter-of-fact statement by Jesus, a fitting conclusion to 2022 and as we look forward to 2023. And here it is. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Just believe. There it is. Jesus says it so elegantly and succinctly that it's easy to just sort of glass over it, right? Just believe. And if that's still not in your grasp, believe in what you've seen. For what feels like the hundredth time, Jesus is declaring that he and the Father are one, a spiritual truth that his closest disciples still couldn't fathom. A truth that John penned all the way back in chapter 4, verse 24, where it says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and here we are ten chapters later, and even the people who spent every day with him struggled to understand his relationship with the Father. And then, lovingly, once again, he says something of vital importance to anyone who struggles with the dual nature of spirit and flesh. If you can't quite make it all the way to accepting that Jesus and the Father are one, then believe what Jesus did. Today is the first day of another year. Some enjoy reflecting back on the year past. Others like looking forward and seeing how the new year might be different from the last. There's no right and wrong here for the record. Whichever is your preference, that's just fine. 
But at least traditionally, when I have an opportunity to speak, at this time of the year, I resurrect a verse that I firmly believe everyone, especially Christians, should spend some time considering at least once a year. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself, or do you not realize that, here it comes, Jesus Christ is in you, unless you fail the test. It's pretty serious words. The spiritual reality of your faith in your remaining years of life after salvation is in part a mystery. How can Jesus possibly be in us? According to Scripture, the same exact way that he was in God the Father and God the Father was in him. It's a spiritual reality. The incarnation we celebrated just a week ago was so miraculous because God, who is spirit, took on flesh. Thomas and Philip were just like me and probably you. They struggled to understand what Jesus has been telling them for years, trying to make everything Jesus said fit neatly into the here and now. The physical, material existence, our fleshly existence. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we are told, faith is the evidence of things unseen, the substance of things hoped for. What things? That car you've had your eye on or a gift that you didn't get last week? Nope. Verse 3 tells you what things. That through faith, we will understand how things that are seen could be made from things that do not appear. Keep in mind that according to 1 Corinthians 1.18, faith that believes in Jesus is foolishness to them that are perishing. If any of you struggle like Thomas and Philip and you hear everything Jesus has said and you simply can't see how that's possible, then trust all the things that Jesus did to validate himself. I don't know about you, but that's hugely important because if I'm completely honest, that's exactly the way I recall my early years in my faith walk. I'm a left brain literalist. If I can't figure it out, it ain't a thing. And here I hear all of this stuff, and it's like, wow. Maybe you're like me, and you spend a good deal of your time when there's a new, a new, a new scientific claim, right? And you're wondering, how, you know, how does that square with Scripture? Or have you spent time trying to figure out literally how God could have split the Red Sea? How about the star hanging over Bethlehem? How does that stuff happen? And you, and, you, and you research and you look because you want it to fit. You want it all to not have some supernatural, miraculous explanation. You just want it to all be explained in the here and now, nice and tidy, just like a scientist. 
Any of you who have been around me for a while, I've been fascinated by the discoveries of brain science in the last two decades. It is fascinating. It all reaffirms everything that's in Scripture. They've yet to come up to something that stumps the band, if you will. They, they, they're trying because science doesn't want God to exist. The broader science. There are scientists that are believers. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm just saying that science is about, for the last couple of centuries, it's been all about, we got to get rid of this whole God thing. And yet, I would submit to you that along the way, some, at some point, can't pinpoint it, can't give you a date, but I can tell you, now, I believe Scripture, regardless what scientists say. Are you there yet? Or is that a bridge too far? Is that too, is that too difficult? Well, here's the good news, because Jesus, in this exchange with Thomas and Philip, said, either way, you, gotta, you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. It's a spiritual truth. You, if you can grasp that and you can be good with it, then this is going to be easier. But if you can't get there, it's all right. I've got you covered. Did you see everything I've done? I've tried to prove it. This is where we're all somewhat like Pharisees, right? If I can't see it, I don't believe it. Well, Jesus is saying, believe that. And you're still going to get in. At some point, literally, well, not really literally, but I can recall God having this, <laughs> Roy, stop. Stop. Stop trying to make it all fit. Now, that's not just me leaping off a pier and going, I'm just going to check my brain at the door. It just says that if God has said something, I'm going to trust God, just like Justin was saying in Lamentations. His grace and his mercy is new every day. And there's going to come at a point where if you spend enough time with him, you will begin to, to be okay with that and realize that science, what science agenda is and what God's agenda is. God's agenda is that your joy may be complete. That's what Jesus said. Now, do you believe him? Pull this together, head, heart, hands. Make peace with your dual nature. Galatians 2.20, which John loves to quote, and I'm, I'm glad he does because it's, it's, it's important for us to wrap our heads around it. But this verse gives you a glimpse into your dual nature. Look at it with me. It begins, I've been crucified for Christ. Now, Paul's writing here. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Keep reading. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's still breathing. Keep going. He's been crucified with Christ, and he no longer lives, but Christ lives in me spiritually, just like Jesus said about he and the Father being in me. Beginning to see the dual nature in this verse? Keep going. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. None of us in this room were literally crucified with Christ. But you were figuratively crucified with him because that's where all your sins are. Every sin you ever committed and ever will commit are on that cross with Jesus when it, when it happened. Now, make that fit in the here and now. Good luck. It doesn't work. You, 
For us to keep living in the here and now, we must live by faith in the completed work of Jesus on our behalf. And it was he who loved me. It's not that I'm going to put my faith and trust in me. And I would highly recommend you not put your faith and trust in you. You're not going to get there. Jesus has said this over and over and over again. Paul makes it clear in Romans. You can't get there on your own effort. So when you're looking back at 2022, you're going to see a list of successes and failures. And it ain't a scale. God isn't interested in the, oh, there were so many of these and there's so many of those. I come from a background that's pretty big on that. Okay? That's not what God is interested in. What God is interested in is glorifying his name through your life. That's what he's interested in. Heart and hands. I'm going to deviate a little bit from our typical outline here. I want to share some additional verses with you regarding this. And um, if when you, I'm hoping that you will take some time, look in the app. There are some. There are more than I'm going to cover on this screen. But regarding your dual nature, First Peter four two. In order to live in the remaining time in the flesh. No longer for human desires, but for God's will. Just like Jesus, prioritizing your spiritual nature more in the coming year than you have up to now. Don't expect everyone to respect your decision to do that. 1 Peter 4.14, if you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I can still hear the, my father's voice has been gone now for quite some time. Why in the world would you waste your time on such nonsense? Well, Dad, many of us don't think it's nonsense. If you find yourself willing to prioritize your spiritual nature in 2023, be advised that not all spirits are honest spirits. You need to be very spiritually discerning. It's another thing that you get to do when you lean into this. And in 1 John 4, verse 1, John writes a warning. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Like understanding and separating heavenly jurisdictions, which we talked about a couple of months ago, understanding more about your dual nature can be liberating and a little unsettling, if we're honest. Awakening that awareness of your spiritual nature is not a trivial matter. Remember, demons are spirits too. And they are especially talented at seducing us if we're not very careful. Now, I actually thought I was going to get through this week without talking about the importance of you reading your Bible, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> spiritual discernment goes hand in hand with spiritual immersion. Spiritual discernment goes hand in hand with spiritual immersion. The more spiritual, the more scripture you ingest, the more the Holy Spirit has to work with in your life as you navigate your daily life in your dual nature. As I mentioned, there are more verses in the app. Um, there's also a link to that entire Bob Newhart bit, which is hilarious, really. And with that, my prayer for each of you that have made it out here this morning is that every one of us will live 
more like Jesus. In what way? In a specific way, not some nebulous, well, I just want to do more like it. No, be specific. When you're setting yourself up for this and you're thinking about the next year, how are you going to be more like Jesus? I would say desiring the Father's will more than your own would be a good place to start. That would make a great ending to your daily prayers. Oh, don't have daily prayers? Well, there's another idea. I finish my daily prayer every, every day. I finish with, make me see a divine appointment that you've set. Because I know me. I got a list. I got things I'm doing. I'm in a hurry. Get out of the way. And I need to slow down enough. Maybe you're not like that. Good for you, frankly, because I can be annoying. But it's, you, you, you know, you have an opportunity every day to choose to spend more time with your spiritual nature and an awareness of that, looking for spiritual opportunities for you to actually glorify God. That's what the invitation is, that you actually can bring glory to God, his name, by prioritizing him in your life. And I'll leave you with this one thought. If what you say you believe doesn't change the way you live, there's a good chance not even you believe what you're saying. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that this um, time looking at your response to Thomas and to Philip can provide some guidance for those that have gotten up this morning, no matter how late they went to bed last night, and are looking forward, and they, they are interested. They may not have a, a wrap around all of it. None of us do. But they're here, and they're desiring to glorify and honor you by their presence. Now, there may be some here that just, they're just here because somebody dragged them here. You know, they don't even want to be here. But I pray, Lord, that something that was said this morning can help them see that you are the way, truth, and life. And there is no God, access to God, without you. And I pray, Lord, that somehow, some way they would find that. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.